0: Good morning, welcome to NTD.
1: Good morning, here are our top stories. Former President Trump continues his winning streak, beating former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley in her home state. Reactions to Trump's fourth consecutive GOP primary victory.
0: With Trump's win over Haley in the Palmetto State, will he win the nomination? Analysis on this and exit polls with Trump's record on the economy taking center stage among voters
1: c wrapped up events in National Harbor, Maryland this weekend. We speak to some key figures for thoughts on the current presidential election.
0: Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky is calling on the U.S. and allies to ramp up their aid with the Russia-Ukraine war now in its third year.
1: The Israeli military says they killed dozens of Hamas fighters during weekend fighting. Plus, the latest updates on a potential deal to free remaining hostages.
0: AT&T plans on compensating customers for a nearly 12-hour outage last week. And one airline could be cancelling flights this summer as plane maker Boeing continues to face problems.
1: And a trick to save hundreds of dollars on your credit cards each year if you have debt. An economic analyst breaks down why choosing a smaller bank or credit union can pay off.
2: This is NTD Good Morning. Live from our global headquarters, here are Evelyn Lee and Kevin
0: Hogan. Welcome to NTD.
1: Welcome everyone. Happy Monday. Today is February 26th.
0: Yes, and Trump's
1: 4-0. Oh yeah. AP called the the win the, well called that Trump would win within 1 minute as the co- polls closed. So
0: Yeah, not course, surprising.
1: Yeah, of course that's uh, part of our t- top stories today. Former President Trump secured another decisive victory in the Republican primaries
0: this weekend. The undefeated GOP candidate beat former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley in her home state. Trump received around 60 percent of the vote. Haley
1: had roughly 40 percent. She's promising to stay in the race, at least until Super
0: Tuesday, March 5th. But Haley lost an important source of funding for her campaign yesterday. The influential Koch network pulled support for her campaign after the loss. The group's political arm, AFP Action, says it will now focus on Senate and House races instead. Trump has swept primaries in Iowa, New Hampshire,
1: and Nevada, and is looking at Michigan next. He says he has se- never seen the Republican Party as unified as it is right now. today's Jeremy Sandberg has more reactions to this weekend's election results.
3: The reason
4: I do that is... Senator John Thune, the second-highest-ranked Republican in the upper chamber, threw his support behind Trump Sunday. Lady- Thune stated the results of South Carolina's primary make it clear Trump will be the Republican nominee. The minority whip previously endorsed Senator Tim Scott's presidential campaign before Scott dropped out. Trump has Scott on his short list of potential VPs. Thune says the U.S. cannot endure another four years of Bidenomics, lawlessness at the southern border, and weakness on the global stage. Trump says his campaign is now focusing on defeating President Biden on November
5: 5th. And we're going to say... Joe, you're fired. Get out. Get
4: out, Joe. You're fired. GOP challenger Nikki Haley congratulated Trump after losing in her home state.
6: And I want to thank the people of South Carolina for using the power of your voice.
4: She vowed to continue the race and is now campaigning in Michigan ahead of its primary on Tuesday
6: to the Super
1: Tuesday Saints throughout all of next week.
4: Haley maintains she's the GOP candidate, able to beat Biden in the general election, and that results show voters want an alternative. Americans for Prosperity, or AFP, the political arm of the powerful Koch network, pulled the plug on donations to Haley's campaign Sunday after her loss. The group's CEO says while it still supports Haley's efforts to stay in the race, it doesn't believe any outside group can expand her path to victory at this point. AFP Action endorsed Haley in November to provide a significant boost to her campaign. The group says it will spend resources where it can make a difference and focus on upcoming Senate and House races instead. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News.
0: For a breakdown of the South Carolina GOP primary and polls, we hear from John Schweppe, the Director of Policy at the American Principles Project. John, glad you're here at this critical point in the primary race. What does Trump's 20-point victory margin in Haley's home state tell us about his chances of securing the nomination?
7: It means it's over. It's uh, 100%. And that's why I think a lot of us are perplexed that Nikki Haley continues to stay in this race. You know, she had her chance here in South Carolina, her home state. It was her opportunity uh, to win, and, and she wasn't able to do that. And so now, you know, we look ahead, and it's hard to see a possible state for her to win in. And I do think AFP leaving the race is a big deal. It basically shows that, you know, the donor money is not necessarily interested in this. Uh, anymore, and and Nikki Haley's out there tilting at windmills. It's not clear what her objective is.
0: Okay, John. Despite Haley's loss in South Carolina, New Hampshire Governor Chris Sununu, a prominent supporter of her, made the case for Haley's continuing on by saying she has a multi-million dollar ad campaign. Voters in the following states should have a chance to decide, and 40 percent in South Carolina is nothing to shrug at. Is that reason enough?
7: Uh, I believe we call this the sunk cost fa- fallacy, and Sununu pretty much went all in here for Nikki Haley. Uh, it looked like a pretty dumb mistake in retrospect. Uh, I bet he's kind of wishing he had tried DeSantis instead. But, you know, the reality here is that it's over, and, and I can't state that enough. I think that's where I was at CPAC this weekend. That was the overarching theme. You know, Republican voters are ready to, to look ahead. Uh, to the general election. And you look here in South Carolina of her 40%, you know, a lot of these people were uh, independent moderates, people who probably weren't gonna vote for the Republican nominee anyway uh, in November. And so I think we need to look ahead and, and, and figure out how we're gonna get to 270.
0: Yeah, and Haley did pretty well among the moderates there. And she also did about even with Trump in terms of the college student vote now, well, the college graduate vote that is. President Biden is up about four points over Trump in a Quinnipiac University national poll. How much of an influence is voter enthusiasm gonna make when we head into November?
7: Oh, I I think that's a great question. It's gonna be everything. And you know, we've already kind of seen what the top two issues are going to be. Democrats are going to continue to talk about abortion and really try to rile up their base on that issue. Uh, and, And Republicans are gonna talk about the Southern border, about immigration, about. Uh, all the crime that's coming into this country. And it's gonna be interesting to see which issue um, is more effective with the base. I will point this out, you know, Trump has done a good job at insulating himself on the abortion issue. He recently came out and said that he would support a 16 week ban at the federal level, uh, which is kind of a moderate compromise position. And so, uh, you know, I think he has a real shot at mitigating some of the damage there. And if the Democrats are left vulnerable on the immigration issue, it could really hurt them in November.
0: Yeah, John, that Quinnipiac poll pointed out that President Biden was doing better on things like ethics, empathy, and temperament, whereas Trump got higher marks on his age and mental fitness. Let's talk about exit polls. They show that Haley had support from moderates and independents in the open primary Saturday, but that just weren't enough to push her over the top. And she did well with people who picked foreign policy as their main concern, but again, that was just a few of them. And Trump took many voters who prioritized the economy and immigration. Is Trump's record on those two issues his strong points? Well, I think
7: so. You know, There's a big ideological difference between Haley and Trump on foreign policy, and that probably came across there. Haley being more of a neoconservative foreign adventurist And Trump being more of a, you know, America first, let's let's try to get involved as as little as we can. Uh, But, you know, I think ultimately the issues where Trump is is going to win, it is the economy. And it's because people are going to look at the four years under Trump or at least the three years before COVID under Trump and compare it to the four years under Biden. And it's it's a dramatic difference. You know, the dollar went a lot further under Trump. Uh, People were able to afford things. And so I think, you know, voters are definitely going to think about that.
0: And it comes as no surprise that people who weren't really decided until recently went with Haley in this election in South Carolina. And how strong is Trump's support among people who have just made up their mind and they want to get out and encourage others to vote?
7: Well, I think, you know, voters are looking. I, I, I don't think it's a it's a minor thing that voters are looking for a new candidate. But the but, the, you know, the primaries are over. It is going to be Biden and Trump. Uh, No third party nominee is going to have a chance here. And so, you know, ultimately, they are going to have to make that decision between uh, the last four years and the four years before that. And so I think when it comes down to it, a lot of these voters, even liberal voters, even people who uh, might not like Trump's tweets or or what have you, you know, I think they're going to have to look at what's the best for their own bottom line, what's best for their own lives going forward. And it's obvious that Republicans have a better governing agenda uh, than the Democrats on that.
0: Well, John Schweppe, Director of Policy at the American Principles Project, thank you for your time. Hey, thanks so much for having me.
1: Just in this morning, Republican National Committee Chair Ronna McDaniel has officially announced she'll step down on March 8th.
0: Former President Trump endorsed North Carolina GOP Chairman Michael Wadley to be the next RNC chair less than two weeks ago.
1: And it's one of the largest gatherings of conservatives in the nation. Just outside of Washington, D.C., this year's Conservative Political Action Conference, or CPAC, concluded over the weekend. And Didi's Jack Bradley was there.
8: CPAC just wrapped up here on Saturday, just outside of D.C., where thousands of conservatives gathered to listen to like-minded people about values and issues that matters most to them, uh, including immigration and the upcoming election in November. Uh, Here's some highlights from that.
5: The first and most urgent action when we win will be the sealing of the border, stopping the invasion. Drill, baby, drill. Send Joe Biden's illegal aliens back home. We'll do a lot of all of those things.
0: No
3: dejen avanzar el socialismo.
0: Don't let socialism advance.
3: No avalen la regulación.
2: Don't endorse regulation.
3: No la idea de los fallos de mercado.
2: Don't endorse the idea of market failure.
9: I don't like knowing that Arizona is the hub for human trafficking, child sex trafficking, and drug trafficking. It's frankly horrific. And I know you all see it, whatever state you're in, you are feeling the effects of this wide open border.
8: I spoke to several conservative leaders here at CPAC who are talking about issues related to the upcoming November election. Take a look at some of those.
9: President Trump is going to be the nominee of the Republican Party. The only person that doesn't realize that in America is Nikki Haley herself, and it's such a shame that she is preventing our party from fully unifying around President Trump so we can take the fight to Joe Biden, who is, by the way, completely unable and unfit to lead this country. It's not about age between President Trump and Joe Biden. It is about cognitive ability.
10: Do we continue to fund a war that has nothing to do with America? No, we don't. We're spending money to secure the borders of another nation when it's our own borders that our taxpayers' money should be going towards. So I have never supported the continuation of funding to Ukraine.
0: My expectation is we're going to see Donald Trump in court more. We're going to see more, you know, more focus on these very, very extraordinary, imbalanced, outrageous judgments against him. And I think independent voters, more and more in a growing sense, are going to look at that and say, yeah, I can't stand for that anymore.
8: And that wraps up this year's CPAC. Certainly an important event for this conservative movement. Jack Bradley, NTD News.
1: And CPAC also held a straw poll on who Trump should pick as a running mate if he wins the GOP nomination.
0: South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem, a former presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy, tied. Former Democratic Congresswoman Tulsa Gabbard had
1: 9% of the vote.
0: House GOP Conference Chair Elise Stefanik and South Carolina Senator Tim Scott both received 8%. And that's Tulsi Gabbard coming in. Coming up, Israel reports it killed dozens of Hamas terrorists over the weekend, plus the status of a possible ceasefire and hostage release deal and an impending ground offensive into Rafah.
1: Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky calling on the U.S. and allies to ramp up aid with the Russia-Ukraine war now in its third year.
0: A U.S. airman set himself on fire in front of the Israeli embassy in Washington, D.C. He was protesting the war in Gaza. Get the details when we return.
1: To have you back, Palestinian Authority Prime Minister Mohammed Taye announced he's resigning
0: today. The U.S. has been pressuring the Palestinian Authority to improve governance in the West Bank.
1: Chetaye's resignation must still be accepted by President Mahmoud Abbas. Abbas could ask him to stay on his ter- caretaker until a permanent replacement is appointed.
0: Abbas is expected to tap the chairman of the Palestine Investment Fund as the next prime minister
1: israeli troops and hamas terrorists clashed throughout the gaza strip over the weekend and today's daniel monahan has the latest on the nearly five-month-old war
5: the israeli army published footage on sunday said to show the aftermath of a combat operation in eastern khan yunis the army says the video shows armed terrorists killed by israeli soldiers A rocket launcher, explosives, grenades, cartridges, and a Kalashnikov rifle were discovered in the same compound, according to the Israeli army. The military says they killed dozens of Hamas fighters during the operation. As fighting rages on, the fate of many Israeli hostages still being held by Hamas is unknown. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan discussed on Sunday a possible deal to free them. He says the US, Egypt, Qatar and Israel have come to an understanding of the basic contours of a deal for a temporary ceasefire in Gaza. Sullivan says the deal is still under negotiation, adding there will have to be indirect discussions by Qatar and Egypt with Hamas. He also commented on Israel's planned operation in Rafah, where over 1 million Palestinians are reportedly sheltering. The top White House official reiterated that a major military operation should not proceed in Rafah unless there is a clear and executable plan to protect civilians. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu says an Israeli military offensive in Rafah could be delayed somewhat if a deal for a weeks-long ceasefire between Israel and Hamas is reached. Concerning hostages, the IDF announced that 19-year-old Israeli hostage Oz Daniel is dead. The army says he was killed on October 7th and his body was taken into Gaza. Daniel had been listed among the hostages thought to be alive, so his death brings the number of dead hostages to 30 out of 130 still remaining in Gaza. The IDF posthumously promoted the 19-year-old IDF soldier from corporal to sergeant. Thousands of people held a vigil in Tel Aviv on Saturday night for the hostages still held by Hamas. Hamas previously conditioned freeing the hostages on Israel releasing thousands of jailed Palestinian terrorists and a permanent end to the war. Israel has refused those terms. It says any halt to fighting would be temporary as it intends to dismantle the terrorist organization. Daniel Monahan, NTD News.
1: The Israeli military submitted a plan to the War Cabinet today for evacuating the population of Gaza from areas of fighting.
0: This amid warnings that an offensive into Rafah will soon take place.
1: Houthis targeted a U.S. oil tanker yesterday in the Gulf of Aden. That's according to a spokesman for the Iran-backed terror group.
0: The, mo- the move comes after U.S. and British forces carried out strikes against more than a dozen Houthi targets in Yemen on Saturday.
6: The Houthi military said on Sunday they targeted an American oil tanker in the Gulf of Aden in solidarity with Palestinians in Gaza, coming as U.S. and British forces said they carried out another round of strikes against the Yemeni militants on Saturday. In a televised speech, a military spokesman for the Iran-backed Houthis Yaya Saree, said their navy targeted the U.S.-flagged, owned and operated commercial ship MV Tom Thor, while the Air Force targeted American warships in the Red Sea with drones. The Yemeni armed forces will not stop unless the aggression stops and the siege on the Palestinian people in the Gaza Strip is lifted, he said. The U.S. Central Command said in a statement on X, its forces shot down an anti-ship ballistic missile that was likely targeting the oil tanker, adding that the vessel was not damaged. Britain's Defense Ministry released video on Saturday said to show Typhoon fighter jets and Voyager tanker aircraft in operation for the latest round of joint military action against the Houthis. Countries involved said in a joint statement the strikes were aimed at 18 militant targets across eight locations in Yemen. The United States and Britain have redesignated the Houthis as a terrorist group after they began targeting commercial vessels in November to protest Israel's war on Gaza. The US has carried out near daily strikes against the Houthis, but have so far failed to halt the attacks, which have upset global trade and raised shipping rates.
1: Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky is calling for more aid amid fresh Russian attacks.
0: He says another offensive from Russia is imminent.
5: On Saturday, the war in Ukraine entered its third year. The next day, Russia conducted an overnight offensive on a Ukrainian border town. The attack all but destroyed the local train station and hit the supermarket and a nearby church. Russia's defense ministry on Sunday said that its forces had gained ground in the Donetsk region. On Sunday, Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky gave a news conference in Kyiv. He said that 31,000 Ukrainian soldiers had been killed since the start of the war in February 2022. This is the first time he's put a number to its military casualties in over a year. It's a number Russia rejects. He added that tens of thousands of civilians had died as well.
4: I don't know how many of them died, how many were killed, how many were murdered, tortured,
5: how many were deported. Zelensky WARNED THAT AS SPRING ARRIVES, RUSSIA WILL ATTEMPT A NEW OFFENSIVE. THIS COULD HAPPEN, HE SAID, AS EARLY AS MAY. THEIR ASSAULT THAT BEGAN ON OCTOBER 8TH HAS NOT BROUGHT ANY RESULTS,
4: I THINK. WE FROM OUR SIDE WILL PREPARE OUR PLAN AND WILL COUNTER THEIR ACTIONS.
5: HE SAID SUPPORT FROM WESTERN ALLIES WAS CRUCIAL TO UKRAINE'S DEFENSE. Kyiv has called on the U.S. to approve a new batch of military and financial assistance.
2: Hopefully, this year, we will receive 11.8 billion U.S.
5: dollars from the United States for assistance. That's what we've agreed on. U.S. funding for Ukraine has been in limbo since the end of 2023. On February 13th, the Senate passed a $95 billion package, which included aid to Ukraine. But it ran into opposition in the House, with Speaker Mike Johnson refusing to put it on the floor until Congress enacts tougher border policies. Republican presidential frontrunner former President Trump has also taken a critical stance towards America's involvement in the war. Zelensky said the fate of the war will also depend on who wins the election in the U.S. this November.
0: Back in the U.S., Congress has until Friday to pass a funding deal and avoid a partial government shutdown. With less than five days until the March 1st deadline, federal departments and agencies that will be impacted are already updating their shutdown plans in the event of a funding deal is not passed.
11: Schumer said Sunday congressional negotiators have not yet reached a deal on a government funding bill. One of the major issues under debate is $118 billion in aid for Ukraine. It's something many Democrats and Republicans are pushing for.
2: Not only the future of Ukraine is on the line, which is extremely important, uh, but the larger battle uh, against authoritarianism is, authoritarianism is on the line.
11: He blamed chaos within the House Republican conference for the delay. That's as Speaker Mike Johnson said House Republicans will continue to work in good faith And hope to reach an outcome as soon as possible this will be the fourth time since september that lawmakers have been up against a funding deadline lawmakers keep passing short-term stopgap deals in january they extended some funding for veterans affairs agriculture housing and urban development through march 1st funding for the rest of the government expires march 8th many republicans don't want to pass a spending plan until they see changes in immigration and border security.
0: You either secure the border or you get no money for the government.
11: Congressional leaders are expected to meet with President Biden on Tuesday to talk about Ukraine and government funding.
1: And more information about two Americans who may have been killed after prison escapees allegedly hijacked their yacht in Grenada. A sailing club identified the two as Kathy Brindell and Ralph Hendry, a couple from Virginia.
0: They were spending the winter cruising the eastern Caribbean after sailing their yacht from Hampton, Virginia to Antigua.
1: Police in Grenada said they have three men back in custody who escaped from prison last week and may have killed the couple. Brendel's son told CNN evidence on the yacht suggested a violent encounter. He said there was clearly an altercation on the boat and it appears the couple were probably injured.
0: According to the Salty Dog Sailing Association, a passing Good Samaritan contacted it after finding the yacht abandoned off the coast of St. Vincent. The U.S. State Department said on Friday it's aware of the reports and is monitoring the situation.
1: And a member of the U.S. Air Force is in critical condition after he set himself on fire yesterday outside the Israeli embassy in Washington, D.C.
0: The man identified himself as Aaron Bushnell in a video of the incident. After he set himself on fire, he put down his recording device and could be heard yelling, Free Palestine!
1: The man was taken to the hospital after the fire was put out by authorities.
0: Police say the man remains in critical condition, and the U.S. Air Force confirmed that he's an active duty service member. No one on the embassy grounds was hurt. The incident remains under investigation.
1: Israeli embassies have been the target of continued protests against the war in Gaza.
0: Yes, and coming up, a Democratic operative admits to arranging the fake Biden AI robocall, the man behind the scheme and why he says he did it.
1: The U.S. Supreme Court hearing arguments in cases related to social media and content moderation. Can't platforms decide what content goes on their sites and what can be removed? The court's decisions could reshape the internet.
0: Are you having difficulty holding a sustained thought? You may be suffering from something called popcorn brain. What that is and how to reverse it coming up.
1: Thanks for staying with us. Seasoned political adviser Steve Kramer admitted on Sunday that he was behind the fake phone call mimicking President Biden's voice using artificial intelligence.
0: The Democratic operative confirmed this after NBC News reported it.
1: Kramer showed no regret for making the fake call where a voice that sounded like President Biden's urged people not to vote in New Hampshire's Democratic primary causing uproar among officials and watchdogs.
0: Kramer says he did it to draw attention to the risks of AI in politics, likening himself to historical figures like Paul Revere. The political
1: consultant insisted that his actions were not linked to the candidate he was working
0: for, Congressman Dean Phillips. Phillips condemned the calls, saying neither he nor his campaign had knowledge of them. A New Orleans magician said last week that Kramer hired him to create the audio for the calls.
1: The U.S. Supreme Court today will hear arguments on whether to give states more control over
0: social media platforms. Some believe its decision could transform the Internet as we know it.
1: Texas and Florida want to impose restrictions on content moderation on platforms like Meta, TikTok and YouTube. The states want to prevent companies from removing posts that they deem harmful.
0: In 2021, Texas Governor Greg Abbott signed a law making it illegal for social media platforms to quote, discriminate against expression.
1: But some in the tech industry say such laws violate companies' First Amendment rights to decide what speech is welcome on their platform.
0: They say that forcing platforms to allow potentially offensive material amounts to compelled speech. But several other states have backed Texas and Florida's decisions saying social media companies should be regulated the same way as other public utilities.
1: But what kind of effect does social media have on us anyway?
0: Scientists coined the term popcorn brain, and it might be the answer to why it's becoming increasingly difficult for some to concentrate.
1: That's right, and I asked Dr. Tara Quincerullo about it. She's a registered psychologist in the UK and associate fellow at the British Psychological Society. She told me what popcorn brain is exactly and how we can reverse it.
12: People are reporting that their attention spans are reducing. So the kind of analogy is a bit like popcorn going pop, pop. We're moving from one thing to the other in terms of what we're paying attention to very quickly. So maybe scrolling from a social media feed to an email to a WhatsApp message back to something else. We're not spending or we're not feeling that we're spending as long looking at things that we used to do. So what
1: do you think would be the main cause of popcorn brewing? I know you just mentioned social media, but I also know that this term has been around for quite a while, I think since uh, 2011, is it? So
12: what do you think is the main cause of that? So what's really interesting is a lot of the research, and I did my homework today as well, is that it's about self-report. So people are feeling this that they are noticing in their own behavior they're spending shorter periods of time so you know over the past 10 years or so we have the rise of people using screen screen time children that generation are using more and more technology Um, and the problem with that is that our brain is this lovely moldable thing and when it gets something it wants a bit more of it and we learn to adapt to using that technology so when you look at things like sound bites 30 second reels on things like social media our brain gets this wonderful dopamine hit and it wants more so it gets used to getting information very quickly very fast so if you know even more than 10 years ago we had to log on to a pc to check our emails it took longer now we can check emails we can check our instagram our whatsapp really really quickly and our brain's getting used to it and then it wants more and what is really interesting as well is that some people are reporting or under reporting how long they spend on their phone which is really really interesting um so some people are feeling they're only checking their phone 20 times a day when it's actually more like in excess of 80 times a day so it just shows you how unaware we are at times mm. in terms of checking our behavior or keeping an eye on what we're doing
1: right now tell me more about how this might affect one you know in their everyday life because i've read something about that could affect our emotional well-being or mental health
12: yeah, absolutely Yeah, really good point. So whenever we look at human behavior, we want to look at whether it's problematic or not. So for some people, and again, there's some really, really interesting research that's come out in the UK, there are different types of personalities, different types of brains, if you like. So some people are actually really good at having multiple sources of information available at once. They can flick from email to social media, they can use multiple screens in their job, and actually they can really function efficiently. But there are some people where actually that can be detrimental to their mental health, because what we're doing is getting this dopamine hit, and we're wanting more and more of So therefore, we're spending more time, we're consuming more reels. If you look at social media these days, even in the last year or so, they're loading up one after the other faster and faster and faster and you even get little images of the next thing coming up. So it's feeding our brain, our brains are learning and therefore wanting more.
1: Right. So of course, I can't let you go without asking you about how to fix this. So is it reversible? How much work
12: do we have to put into reversing this? Do you know what, it's actually quite simple, but we've just got to make the effort to do it. So number one is observe your behavior, look how long you're spending on the phone, try and put some real practical things in place. So it's really hard to just say, stop doing it. Most people, that's going to be really hard because our brain's going, we want more. Use practical things. Set a timer. Actually put your phone physically away. Put it in a drawer and see what happens. What do you notice in your body? How long can you go without getting that phone back out again? Put limits on the apps that you have on your phone. So you can put your apps into folders. You can put limits and time limits on them. Sometimes those are kind of what we call external regulators can be really useful to then get you used to not doing that stuff. And eventually you'll do that for yourself.
1: Mm, got it. Well, thank you so much, Tara Quincerillo, okay. for talking to us about this. I appreciate it.
12: Nice to see you.
0: Interesting interview, and we see a manifestation of that with the YouTube shorts, those videos that are 60 seconds or less coming out a couple of years ago.
1: Right. I was going to say that because those short-form videos, are everywhere now. It started with, well, of course, now TikTok and then Instagram followed suit and everything. It just seems like it's, you know, another one of those effects of those quick dopamine hits that it's just this unconscious search for, some, for the next thing and the next thing.
0: Yeah, well, you know, settling up to a nice long documentary is still pretty good, too. That's right, exactly. Yep, good variety. Stay with us. AT&T will award billing credits to customers affected by a nationwide outage last week. The company's 5G network covers around 290 million people across the U.S.,
1: And budget airline Ryanair may have to cut flights during its peak summer season because of plane maker Boeing. Entities Don Ma joins us to discuss after the break. Welcome back everyone, and it is time again to bring in NTD business host Don Ma to give us the latest updates from the business world.
3: Don, what do you have for us today? Okay, just a few things, uh, including NVIDIA and something about AT&T, the moon landing and rain air. So let me start out with AT&T. So we know uh, we had the outage last week, and now AT&T is saying they're going to reimburse people with uh, store credit. And they said this over the weekend, and the amount that is going to be reimbursed uh, to customers is going to be equal to the cost uh, on average of a days of service. That's what they said. So uh, this is going to be in billing credits for customers uh, that are impacted or potentially impacted. Uh, So the outage was nearly 12 hours. Um, It's going to be around $5. That's what uh, AT&T says uh, it costs for an average day of service. Uh, So if you add that up, actually, it's quite a lot, you know, five dollars doesn't seem seem a lot But AT&T's 5G network covers around 290 million people across the United States So it could equal to up to 1.4 billion dollars in terms of uh, credit back to customers So of course not everyone uh, was impacted So the amount in the end uh, might be a little bit less than that than that uh, as well The credit will not apply to customers under AT&T's business or prepaid plans, or those who have Tricket wireless accounts. Now in the statement issued on Saturday, the company said that it it acknowledges the impact the outage had on people and that it it has uh, let many of the customers down. It has acknowledged this, and they're also taking uh, steps to prevent this uh, from happening again in the future.
1: Right, 1.4 billion, that's that it added up quite quick, and I but I did see comments on social media where people were saying that five dollars are a joke, especially for people that have multiple phones on one plan. But on the other hand, of course, experts say that kind of proactivity helps them with with their relationship with the customers. But um on what you foreshadowed earlier, let's get some updates on the big news. what What are the latest what is the latest uh, regarding the moon landing?
3: Right. So in terms of that, uh, you know despite having successfully landed on the moon, Uh, on Thursday, shares of the company of the moon lander, which was intuitive machines, actually tumbled. Uh, And this was because the lander, uh, as it was descending vertically and laterally on the moon, uh, it tipped over actually. It likely caught a foot on the surface uh, and the lander tipped. Uh, But don't worry here because the company says that the spacecraft Odysseus is alive and well. And at this point, Odysseus has Quite a bit of operational capacity uh, even though it's tipped over. Executives said that all of the lander's payloads were facing upwards now except one uh, and is expected to carry out their scientific objectives and teams were working to obtain the first photo images uh, from the lunar surface at the landing landing site. Intuitive Machines hopes to get some photos in the next few days uh, of exactly what the material is underneath the lander uh, when it tipped over.
0: Well, yeah, and one thing's for sure, intuitive machines—they're not afraid to put up a little R and 100 hundred million dollars
3: developing that Odysseus lander. But what's going on with NVIDIA? Right. Yeah, it seems like NVIDIA is in the news a lot recently. Uh, it just keeps uh, breaking milestones. And over uh, over the weekend and last week, uh, NVIDIA's market value briefly catapulted to tro- two trillion. And NVIDIA joined an exclusive club on Friday morning, but the chipmaker stock lost. Some of its gains uh, later in the day leading its value to edge slightly below the $2 trillion threshold uh, by market close. And its rapid ascent in the past few years actually has led analysts to draw parallels between uh, the picks and shovels providers during the gold rush of the 1980s, sorry, the 1800s rather. And this is because Nvidia's chips are almost uh, used by all generative AI players from ChatGPT and the likes of Google. Uh, the company skyrocketed from $1 trillion to $2 trillion market value in just around nine months. Uh, and for some perspective on that number, uh, this is uh, the fastest among U.S. companies uh, and is in less than half the time it took tech giants, Apple, and Microsoft to get there.
1: Right. Wow. wow. Yeah. Thanks for putting that into perspective. They, they doubled their market value in nine months. That's quite something. But let's move on to something else because I'm quite excited about this. It's almost time for... A- Early summer vacations, what what can you tell us about delays, possible delays, or what's going on there?
3: Yeah, so that's something to keep in mind. Uh, Budget airline Ryanair uh, may have led to uh, cut its summer schedule, according to uh, company CEO Michael O'Leary. It's going to receive even fewer Boeing aircraft by the end of June than previously expected, and the summer schedule is the busiest time of the year for the Dublin-based airline. Ryanair is the first in Europe to warn of disruption due to a deepening crisis at Boeing, and Boeing has been murdered by a regulatory audit and uh, prohibited from ramping up 737 MAX production since the January 5th mid-air panel blowout of a new Alaska Airlines MAX 9. Now, Ryanair was due to receive 57 Boeing MAX 8,200 planes by the end of uh, April and the Ryanair CEO said the company may receive anywhere from 30 to 50 planes. He didn't uh, really know but uh, delayed deliveries mean Ryanair might have to remove flights from its summer schedule, uh, cutting capacity for what is expected to be a record summer of travel. Now schedule constraints could make the carrier less competitive Against low cost rivals like EG, uh, EasyJet. O'Leary said uh, Ryanair will pass some of the delay costs onto consumers and prices will rise by about 10 uh, to 5% uh, this summer.
1: Thank you so much, Don Ma, for your insights on this. We need to head to break right now.
0: So yes, uh, enjoy perks from credit cards by big banks like cash back and travel points. Well, they come at a price of high interest rates compared to smaller credit unions. A personal finance expert breaks down how to lessen debt after the break.
1: Good to have you back. Do you have a couple thousand dollars on credit cards from big banks and want to save a few hundred bucks, then switch to smaller banks and credit unions?
0: A report by the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau says the largest 25 credit card companies charge about 10 percent more interest than their smaller counterparts. Mark Hamrick, a senior economic analyst at Bankrate.com, told me why.
10: Well, because they can, Kevin, and they don't have any problem sort of keeping market share with those higher rates. And I think one of the main takeaways here that we really do talk about all the time at Bankrate, if we have one single mantra at Bankrate, it is to shop around for the best rate. But many customers using these credit cards accept these higher rates for a number of different reasons. Among them, they're familiar with the financial institution issuing the card. They may prefer To do business with that institution. It may be that they have a card that has certain premiums such as cash back, travel points, whether it's a hotel or airline. And so they look at that as acceptable. And, of course, the other part about the interest is, at the end of the day, It's up to us whether we're gonna pay that charge off at the end of the month or not, or allow that interest to accrue beyond the billing period. And about half of cardholders allow that to happen. And the point here is that can get expensive over the long or intermediate term.
0: That's such a good point, Mark, that those perks are what's driving people to these bigger credit card companies, even though the rates may be higher. What are some of the best ways to prevent being stuck with a lot of credit card debt?
10: you know i've got a strategy that i use and I, and i talk about it and i've actually as i've had You know, conversations with people over time, I found that many people do something quite similar. And that is, let's say I prefer to use one of these points related cards at a grocery store. I happen to be the sort of uh, chief cook and uh, grocery store shopper for our household. And so I use that card at checkout. And then as soon as I get to the car, I go to the mobile app and I transfer money from my checking account to pay that off immediately just to avoid forgetting about that because the billing can start to accrue, let's say, 21 days after the statement is posted. Don't want that to happen. So if you can pay off your credit cards aggressively and don't allow the interest to accrue over the, either the short, intermediate, or long terms, that's the way to avoid these rates of interest, which are among the most expensive in the consumer lending space. Those are such great
0: tips, Mark. And let's zoom out a little bit here. Business Insider reports that Americans carry over $1.1 trillion in credit card debt. So how does the lending practices of these big credit card companies affect the overall economy with Americans saddled with so much credit card debt?
10: Well, I think many of us are looking at this from a vantage point of a lot of things in the economy right now are really sort of getting back to a new kind of normal, having weathered the last four years of the pandemic and things that really went out of alignment. But one of the things that uh, has essentially tempted or indeed lured many Americans to do in the sense of relying on credit is the outsized inflation that they experienced in recent years. And only recently have we begun to see wage gains outpace. THE RECENT LEVEL OF INFLATION. SO HOW DO PEOPLE PLUG THE GAP? SOME USE CREDIT CARD DEBT, AND THAT'S HOW WE'RE GETTING BACK TO THIS HIGHER LEVEL OF a CREDIT CARD uh, USAGE AND INTEREST, AS WELL AS THE UTILIZATION OF DEBT MORE BROADLY. I WOULD ADD, THOUGH, that the expectation is that the Federal Reserve in the United States will begin to cut interest rates later this year. Financial markets and all observers are sort of debating the magnitude of all that. But if and when that happens, as we expect in the second half of the year, then we should begin to see credit card rates more broadly come down because ultimately the Fed really does sort of pull the lever on where the benchmark is for setting those interest rates for credit cards.
0: Mark Hamrick, Senior Economic Analyst at Bankrate.com, thank you for your update.
10: Thank you, Kevin
0: yeah
1: a lot of talk about when those rates will actually come down but such a relevant topic right now especially because as you mentioned the debt has just risen to over a trillion dollars
0: well yeah and American households have about 17 trillion dollars in debt so that's quite a hefty burden but you know what actually it's important if you are looking at your credit score on an app or something Mm -hmm. keep in mind that there may be a delinquent account on there that's actually not yours so you can be dinged and not even know about it oh
1: well yeah that's good to keep in mind for sure and um before we end this hour, let's take a look at some beautiful dancing. Shen Yun Performing Arts took to the stage at the Detroit Opera House in Detroit, Michigan from February 23rd to the 25th.
0: Find out why audience members are dazzled after seeing Shen Yun perform.
11: Shen Yun Performing Arts graced the stage at the Detroit Opera House in Detroit, Michigan over the weekend. Audience members were highly impressed with Shen Yun's artistry.
1: performance is exquisite, it is majestic, it's beautiful, the dance is outstanding, the voices are wonderful, they are so entertaining and authentic, it's absolutely exquisite.
8: The interaction between
4: the dancers, the music, and the screen in the background, how it all ties together with such precision, it really is, uh, the best way to describe it is precision. It's, it's beauty and splendor all in one.
11: Theatergoers applauded Shen mission to revive 5,000 years of traditional Chinese culture and values and took note of a deeper message.
2: Very hopeful. That's, that's what I would say. It was a message of hope and a message of restitution. Keep it going, because otherwise,
5: Communist China would probably erase it. So um, it's imperative that they keep the history going and let the rest of the world realize there was something before Communist China.
7: Bringing the message out there and uh, keep on doing the great job they're doing. They're just phenomenal. They're extraordinary.
11: Sheringy will be performing at the Adler Theater in Davenport, Iowa on February 27th. NTD News, Detroit, Michigan.
1: All right. Unfortunately, not that many dancing clips, but it sounds amazing.
0: Yeah, I know. And there's some really great stories in there, like the virtues of sacrifice yeah. and everything.
1: That's awesome. All right. Um, we're heading to a quick break, but we'll be back uh, Just a minute or so, so stay with us.
0: NTD News,
4: the fastest-growing independent news source in America, bringing you breaking news from around the world. Expert analysis, investigative reporting, and original award-winning documentaries. We're known for our uncensored China coverage you won't find anywhere else. We cover the stories that affect you and shape our world without the political noise. We report from the heart with you in mind. Watch us right here on NTD News.
0: Good morning, welcome to NTD. Good
1: morning, here are top stories. Former President Trump continues undefeated, beating former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley in her home state. Reactions to Trump's fourth consecutive win in the GOP primaries.
0: Plus, a look at where Trump received the most support in the Palmetto State and top issues on voters' minds there.
1: CPAC wrapped up events in National Harbor, Maryland this weekend. We speak to some key figures for thoughts on the current presidential election.
0: Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky is calling on the U.S. and allies to ramp up their aid with the Russia-Ukraine war, now in its third year.
1: New information about an American couple missing from their yacht in the Caribbean. Authorities have suspects in custody, but hopes of finding them alive are waning.
0: Scientists unveil a 240-million-year-old fossil that resembles a mythical creature. A closer look at the 15-foot-long reptilian remains.
1: A delivery goat in England has become a local celebrity. Hear why in this egg siding story, coming up.
2: This is NTD Good Morning. Live from our global headquarters, here are Evelyn Lee and Kevin
0: Hogan. Welcome to NTD.
1: Welcome, everyone. Today is Monday, February 26th. And today's top news, just in this morning, Republican National Committee Chair Ronna McDaniel has officially announced she'll step down on March
0: 8th. Former President Trump endorsed North Carolina GOP Chairman Michael Watley to be the next RNC chair less than two weeks ago. And former President Trump secured
1: another decisive victory in the Republican primary this weekend.
0: The undefeated GOP candidate beat former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley in her home state.
1: Trump received around 60 percent of the vote. Haley had roughly 40 percent. She's promising to stay in the race at least until Super Tuesday,
0: March 5th. But Haley lost an important source of funding for her campaign yesterday. The influential Koch Network pulled support for her campaign after the loss. The group's political arm, AFP Action, says it will now focus on Senate and House races
1: instead. Trump has swept primaries in Iowa, New Hampshire and Nevada, and is looking at Michigan next. He says he's never seen the Republican Party as unified as it is right now. And did Jeremy Sandberg has more reactions to this weekend's election results.
4: The reason I do that is... Senator John Thune, the second-highest ranked Republican in the upper chamber, threw his support behind Trump Sunday. Lee- Thune stated the results of South Carolina's primary make it clear Trump will be the Republican nominee. The minority whip previously endorsed Senator Tim Scott's presidential campaign before Scott dropped out. Trump has Scott on his short list of potential VPs. Thune says the U.S. cannot endure another four years of Bidenomics, lawlessness at the southern border, and weakness on the global stage. Trump says his campaign is now focusing on defeating President Biden on November
5: 5th. And we're going to say... Joe, you're
4: fired. Get out. Get out, Joe. You're fired. GOP challenger Nikki Haley congratulated Trump after losing in her home state.
6: And I want to thank the people of South Carolina for using the power of your voice.
4: She vowed to continue the race and is now campaigning in Michigan ahead of its primary on Tuesday
6: to the
3: Super Tuesday Saints throughout all of next week.
4: Haley maintains she's the GOP candidate, able to beat Biden in the general election, and that results show voters want an alternative. Americans for Prosperity, or AFP, the political arm of the powerful Koch network, pulled the plug on donations to Haley's campaign Sunday after her loss. The group's CEO says while it still supports Haley's efforts to stay in the race, it doesn't believe any outside group can expand her path to victory at this point. AFP Action endorsed Haley in November to provide a significant boost to her campaign. The group says it will spend resources where it can make a difference and focus on upcoming Senate and House races instead. Jeremy
0: Sandberg, NTD News. Let's get some insight into Trump's win in South Carolina and a consequential poll in Michigan from Bart Marquois, a former presidential campaign policy advisor. Good morning to you, Bart. Does the result in South Carolina indicate that the Republican Party is unified like former President Trump says it is?
2: Good morning, Kevin. Uh, yes, it, it is and it isn't. Let me let me explain that. President Trump got more votes than any candidate for any office in the history of South Carolina. That's an extraordinary accomplishment. And that's that's showing that he has the power to pull out Republicans, get them to the polls. Even when they know he's going to win, nobody stayed home, nobody sat on their hands. They all came out and they voted. Haley got 40% of the vote, but most of that, or some of that, I don't know how many, were not from Republicans, they were from Democrats voting. and and But she still got a significant part, maybe 15, maybe 30% of the Republican vote. So he is expanding the reach of the Republican Party, he is expanding the appeal. OF THE REPUBLICAN PARTY, BUT HE HAS NOT YET TOTALLY UNIFIED THE TRADITIONAL REPUBLICANS. HE HAS A WAY TO GO ON THAT, HE'S WORKING ON THAT, HE IS BEING MUCH MORE CONCILIATORY IN HIS PUBLIC uh, COMMENTS, AND LITTLE BY LITTLE, POINT BY POINT, STATE BY STATE, MORE AND MORE PEOPLE ARE SAYING, YOU KNOW WHAT, I DON'T LIKE THE MEAN TWEETS AND I DON'T LIKE SOME OF THE RHETORIC, BUT I HAVE TO ADMIT, LIFE WAS A LOT BETTER UNDER DONALD TRUMP.
0: Bart, and also to point out, CBS exit poll shows that Haley did a little bit better with the independents there in South Carolina. Next, Haley is in a rare situation, refusing to drop out after so many losses. What does history tell us about this?
2: History says when you start losing, when you can't win any of the early votes, you, early states, you drop out, and that's because you run out of money. Uh, Historically, people fueled their campaigns by donations from individual donors and from uh, you know, a handful to a host of big institutional donors or very wealthy donors. Nikki Haley's campaign has been funded almost exclusively by billionaires. And now with the Koch network dropping out, it's mostly left-wing billionaires. That's who's paying for her campaign. That's who's funding her campaign. I'm going to give you an example of, uh, of how she's spending that money or how that money is being spent on her behalf, that's a more accurate way to put it. Uh, through some accident of uh, phone number history, my phone number is somehow entered into a database under a different name, I don't know the person's last name, but under a different first name of, of left-wing Democrat voters. Every time there's an election, I start getting texts saying hey Joseph there's uh, an election coming up we have to make sure the most progressive candidate wins and I've never I've never said stop I think it's interesting to see what the other side is telling people they think are their most passionate voters well I got a message from Nikki Haley on that line oh maybe uh, three or four days ago saying it doesn't matter what happens in South Carolina I am fighting until March 5th, which is when Virginia's primary is. I need you to vote, come out and vote for me in the Republican primary on March 5th. She wants that's to, going to what?
0: until Super Tuesday. She, she wants to give, to give those voters a chance. And for, she, we just have a few seconds here. I wanna get your take on this. 26% of black voters in Michigan now support Trump and that's way up. Is there any reason for this?
2: Sure. The the reason is the concomitant drop in uh, black voter support for Joe Biden. He's down to 49 percent, and I think you'll find that it holds true not just in Michigan but across the country. It's the same reason white voters and Hispanic voters are voting for him. They care about employment. They care about uh, the economy, inflation, housing. When they see this huge influx of people with no jobs and no skills and no abilities, but are still getting subsidized housing and and uh, taxpayer money, they say, what about me? What about us?
0: Well, Bart Marquois, former presidential campaign policy advisor, thanks for chiming in this morning. Thanks, Kevin. Yeah, and well, there's a good point. I mean, a lot of people say the economy was better under Trump. He says that he created 7 million jobs, whereas right now, unemployment's at about 4%. It's really low. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So here's a look at why some voters in the Palmetto State cast their ballots for Trump. An exit
11: poll conducted by Edison Research reveals some of the issues on voters' minds during the South Carolina Republican primary. Immigration once again topped the list of concerns following the trend in other states. Nearly 4 in 10 voters said immigration was their top voting issue. The economy was close behind, with about one-third of voters calling it their biggest issue, Six out of 10 primary voters in the state are white evangelicals. Nearly three quarters of that group said they voted for Trump, according to a CNN exit poll. Nikki Haley's history as governor of South Carolina did little to endear her to voters, many of whom see themselves as part of Trump's MAGA movement. Donald J. Trump because I think he's the only candidate worthy of being
5: there.
12: I think he's God's choice. I feel like uh, out of all the politicians, he's the one that said what he was going to do and he did it. South Carolina holds
11: open primaries. That means all registered voters can cast ballots in the primary of their choosing, but they can only pick one. Some registered Democrats voted in the GOP primary to try and stop Trump.
9: If Democrats come out and give a
7: vote to Nikki, it takes one away from him and perhaps, you know, can. If she were to be elected against Joe Biden, I wouldn't be terrified every day
11: when I woke up. The next primaries will be held in Michigan on February 27th.
1: It's one of the largest gatherings of conservatives in the nation. Just outside of Washington, D.C., this year's Conservative Political Action Conference, or CPAC, concluded over the weekend. Entity's Jack Bradley was there.
8: CPAC just wrapped up here on Saturday just outside of DC where thousands of conservatives gathered to listen to like-minded people about values and issues that matters most to them uh, including immigration and the upcoming election in November Uh, here's some highlights from that
5: the first and most urgent action when we win will be the sealing of the border stopping the invasion drill baby drill send Joe Biden Illegal aliens back home will do a lot of all of those things.
3: No dejen avanzar el
2: socialismo. Don't let socialism advance. No avalen la regulacion. Don't endorse regulation. No avalen la idea de los fallos de mercado. Don't endorse the idea of market failure.
9: I don't like knowing that Arizona is the hub for human trafficking, child sex trafficking and drug trafficking. It's frankly horrific. And I know you all see it, whatever state you're in, you are feeling the effects of this wide open
8: border. I spoke to several conservative leaders here at CPAC who are talking about issues related to the upcoming November election. Take a look at some of those.
9: President Trump is going to be the nominee of the Republican Party. The only person that doesn't realize that in America is Nikki Haley herself. And it's such a shame that she is preventing our party from fully unifying around President Trump so we can take the fight to Joe Biden, who is, by the way, completely unable and unfit to lead this country. It's not about age between President Trump and Joe Biden. It is about cognitive ability.
10: Do we continue to fund a war that has nothing to do with America? No, we don't. We're spending money to secure the borders of another nation when it's our own borders that our taxpayers' money should be going towards. So I've never supported the continuation of funding to Ukraine.
0: My expectation is we're going to see Donald Trump in court more. We're going to see more, you know, more focus on these very, very extraordinary, imbalanced, outrageous judgments against him. And I think independent voters, more and more in a growing sense, are going to look at that and say, yeah, I can't stand for that anymore.
8: And that wraps up this year's CPAC, certainly an important event for this conservative movement. Jack Bradley, NTD News.
1: Up next, progress on a deal for a temporary ceasefire in Gaza and hostage release.
0: And Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky calls on the U.S. and allies to ramp up their military aid.
1: The U.S. Supreme Court hearing arguments in cases related to social media and content moderation Can platforms decide what content goes on their sites and what can be removed? The court's decisions could reshape the Internet.
0: A hard-working goat in England has become a local celebrity by making delivery rounds. But he's retiring soon after years of exceptional service. That story and more coming up after the break.
1: Good to have you back. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky is calling for
0: more aid amid fresh Russian attacks. He says another offensive from Russia is imminent.
5: On Saturday, the war in Ukraine entered its third year. The next day, Russia conducted an overnight offensive on a Ukrainian border town. The attack all but destroyed the local train station and hit the supermarket and a nearby church. Russia's defense ministry on Sunday said that its forces had gained ground in the Donetsk region. On Sunday, Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky gave a news conference in Kyiv. He said that 31,000 Ukrainian soldiers had been killed since the start of the war in February 2022. This is the first time he's put a number to its military casualties in over a year. It's a number Russia rejects. He added that tens of thousands of civilians had died as well.
4: I don't know how many of them died, how many were killed, how many were murdered, tortured, how
5: many were deported. Zelensky warned that as spring arrives, Russia will attempt a new offensive. This could happen, he said, as early as May. Their assault that began on October 8th has not brought any results, I think. We, from our side, will prepare our
4: plan and will counter their actions.
5: He said support from Western allies was crucial to Ukraine's defense. Kiev has called on the U.S. to approve a new batch of military and financial assistance.
2: Hopefully this year we will receive 11.8 billion U.S.
5: dollars from United States for assistance. That's what we've agreed on. U.S. funding for Ukraine has been in limbo since the end of 2023. On February 13th, the Senate passed a $95 billion package which included aid to Ukraine. But it ran into opposition in the House, with Speaker Mike Johnson refusing to put it on the floor until Congress enacts tougher border policies. Republican presidential frontrunner former President Trump has also taken a critical stance towards America's involvement in the war. Zelensky said the fate of the war will also depend on who wins the election in the U.S. this November.
1: Israeli troops and Hamas terrorists clashed throughout the Gaza Strip over the weekend. Entity's Daniel Monaghan has the latest on the nearly five-month-old war.
5: The Israeli army published footage on Sunday said to show the aftermath of a combat operation in Eastern Khan Yunis. The army says the video shows armed terrorists killed by Israeli soldiers. As fighting rages on, the fate of many Israeli hostages still being held by Hamas is unknown. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan discussed on Sunday a possible deal to free them. He says the US, Egypt, Qatar and Israel have come to an understanding of the basic contours of a deal for a temporary ceasefire in Gaza. Sullivan says the deal is still under negotiation, adding there will have to be indirect discussions by Qatar and Egypt with Hamas. He also commented on Israel's planned operation in Rafah, where over one million Palestinians are reportedly sheltering. The top White House official reiterated that a major military operation should not proceed in Rafah unless there is a clear and executable plan to protect civilians. Concerning hostages, the IDF announced that 19-year-old Israeli hostage Oz Daniel is dead. The army says he was killed on October 7th and his body was taken into Gaza. Daniel had been listed among the hostages thought to be alive, so his death brings the number of dead hostages to 30 out of 130 still remaining in Gaza. The IDF posthumously promoted the 19-year-old IDF soldier from corporal to sergeant. Thousands of people held a vigil in Tel Aviv on Saturday night for the hostages still held by Hamas. Daniel Monahan, NTD News.
1: The Israeli military submitted a plan to the war cabinet today for evacuating the population of Gaza from areas of fighting.
0: This amid warnings that an offensive into Rafah will soon take place.
1: The Air Force member that set himself on fire outside Israel's embassy
0: in Washington, D.C.
1: yesterday has died. An anonymous U.S. official confirmed his death with
0: NBC News. The man identified himself as Aaron Bushnell in a video of the incident.
1: After he set himself on fire, he put down his recording device and could be heard yelling, Free Palestine. The man was taken to the hospital after the fire
0: was put out by authorities. The U.S. Air Force confirmed he's an active duty service member. No one on the embassy grounds was hurt. The incident remains under investigation.
1: And the co-chair of Harvard University's newly formed task force fighting anti-semitism abruptly stepped down yesterday.
0: Harvard Business School professor Rafaela Sadoun resigned after barely a month in the role.
1: Harvard's Interim President Alan Garber says the professor decided to refocus her efforts on her research, teaching and administrative
0: duties. Harvard remains under scrutiny from politicians, regulators, alumni and others. A group of Jewish alumni are now auditing Harvard in an effort to identify sources of anti-Semitism.
1: A congressional committee investigating campus anti-Semitism issued multiple subpoenas to Harvard earlier this month requesting documents. The Department of Education is also investigating the Ivy League school separately over its handling of alleged discrimination on campus. That's after a complaint was filed against Harvard by Muslim and Palestinian students last month.
0: Garber announced the formation of the anti-Semitism task force just over a month ago. Sudun is being replaced as co-chair by Harvard Law professor Jared Elias. Garber also announced selections for a separate task force designed to fight anti-Muslim and anti-Arab bias.
1: The U.S. Supreme Court today will hear arguments on whether to give states more control over social media platforms.
0: Some believe its decision could transform the Internet as we know it.
1: Texas and Florida want to impose restrictions on content moderation on platforms like Meta, TikTok, and YouTube. The states want to prevent companies from removing posts that they deem harmful. In
0: 2021, Texas Governor Greg Abbott signed a law making it illegal for social media platforms to, quote, discriminate against expression.
1: But some in in the tech industry say such laws violate companies' First Amendment rights to decide what speech is welcome on their platform.
0: They say that forcing platforms to allow potentially offensive material amounts to compelled speech. But several other states have backed Texas and Florida's decisions, saying social media companies should be regulated the same way as other public utilities.
1: The National Museum Scotland had unveiled what it called 240 million year old dragon for the first time in its entirety.
0: The approximately 15 foot long reptile fossil from the Triassic period was first identified in China in 2003.
1: Newly discovered fossils allowed the international team of researchers to depict the entire creature.
0: Scientists say it's very reminiscent of a Chinese dragon. The extremely long neck likely helped it to catch fish, though researchers are still unsure of its precise function. I wonder if it breathes fire.
1: (laughs) For sure, I like to believe it does. (laughs) All right, for the last four years, a woman in England has found a unique way to deliver fresh eggs to her customers.
6: Alan
0: the pack goat has become a local celebrity while making his rounds. Here's the story. (laughs)
6: Sorted
5: us out. <laughs> it's a cool February morning in the village of Sibford Ferris in Oxfordshire, England. Okay. Sue Sabin, a teacher and small farm owner, is bringing customers fresh eggs using a unique method of delivery. Morning.
1: morning, David.
5: Meet Alan, the five-year-old pack goat. He's been making the rounds to locals for the last four years. Sue raises goats for meat and dairy. Usually male goats are sold for meat. But when Alan was born, Sue decided to give him a purpose. He's become a favorite of the locals.
2: Well, he eats my flowers for me and uh, various things like that. And uh, he's a real character. <laughs> and uh, well, I had a builder man here. He said, I have never seen anything like this in my
5: life. He was just amazed.
3: He'd become a celebrity, you know.
2: I think he already is a celebrity.
5: Sadly, Alan was attacked and injured by a horse two years ago. Since then, the two-mile trip through the village has become increasingly difficult for him to make. He's now training Boris, a younger goat, to take his place. That means Alan will soon be able to kick up his hooves and relax in retirement.
0: What an awesome way to deliver eggs. Yeah, he's really earning his keep there. And fresh eggs, you know, if you don't wash them, if they're fresh from the hen you don't have to refrigerate them.
1: Groundbreaking way of egg delivery right there. All right, we have to wrap up our show now but we'll keep you updated with the latest information. Stay tuned for our News Today broadcast at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Thanks for watching,
0: I'm Evelyn Lee. Have a great day, I'm Kevin Hogan.